This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura, precision crafted performance. Acura, celebrating 30 years in Canada. Visit acura.ca for the 2018 lineup and dealership incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Mark Zacchino in studio with Bob Weeks and master producer Adam Scully. It is our first of three year in review specials as we take a look back at the year that was 2018. And man, it was all over the map. In today's episode, we're going to take a look at the Canadians on the PGA Tour. Some of those new rules in the world of golf. Brooke Henderson, lots to get to. But gentlemen, you can't talk about 2018 without the biggest theme. And this is with all due respect to our three-time winners, our multiple winners, our Ryder Cup, our revolving door of world number one. Man, you could go anywhere and everywhere in 2018. But Tiger Woods and what could possibly be the greatest comeback in the history of sports, potentially, and that can be debated, and maybe we can get into that a bit. But to me, guys... The year that 2018 for Tiger Woods is the story of the year, Bob. Well, it's nice for a change when you say Tiger's back. You're not referring to surgery. You're mm. referring to his return. <laughs> it's a verb. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think after so many years of waiting for this moment, waiting for him to be able to come back, waiting for him to be able to get up to some kind of potential or see if he could get anywhere there, that to me was uh, obviously the golf story of the year. And, and it's even, it has a great ending, of course, with the win, but I think the journey is part of the story as well. From when we first saw him at Torrey Pines when he couldn't hit the tee ball on the planet uh, to some some putting woes to some some different parts of his game that never seemed to be able to fire altogether. And then to bring it all together to the point where he was uh, contending in two major championships and then got the tour win. Um, it's an amazing story and one that I think is just beginning to develop. And, and that's going to be interesting to see where this goes as well. And we will talk a little bit about that today. But, but Scully, you know mm. where I was going with this? And this might sound a little funny to you guys. But once we saw him start to contend at Valspar, certainly what he did at the Open Championship at PGA Championship, we all came into the studio on a Saturday morning after that uh, PGA Championship. We were all going, he's going to win the playoffs. Like we thought, <laughs> okay, it's coming soon. We, you know, we, we, we all thought it was coming soon. Yep. And we were right. That's not the biggest surprise to me. The biggest surprise to me this year, Adam, and I don't know if you feel the same way, is how quickly he started to improve. This was a guy, the previous comeback, now I know he wasn't healthy, but this was a guy who couldn't chip. He had the skulls. He had the shanks. He had the yips. Uh, this version of Tiger couldn't uh, get it off the tee. Uh, the, you know, he couldn't put it all together four days, but seemed every kind of 45-day block or so, the building blocks kind of improved, got in place. And the last thing for me is the mental hurdle on Sunday. Can I cross the finish line on Sunday? And he did it at the Tour Championship. Did he ever? And, and you know, he, he almost did blow it on that Sunday. He had a couple of bogeys down the stretch, made a really good up-and-down par save on that 17th hole. But you mentioned, you know, his improvements. And we, when you look at his world rankings, like that is unbelievable to look at. At the Hero World Challenge. Which is not and, even a year ago. Which is November, yes. So November 2017, 1,193rd. To climb all the way up to 13th in the world, given, you know, the success he's had this year and, you know, coming up close in two major championships and, of course, winning the Tour Championship and nearly winning the FedEx Cup. It's, it's unbelievable. It's mind-boggling, and we talked about this a little bit uh, in the last few weeks. If you project him now, 
uh, six, seven months from now, he could contend uh, for number one player in the world Mm -hmm. on this trajectory. Taking a look at his year, obviously the win at the Tour Championship, but two second-place finishes, seven top 10s, 12 top 25s. He made 16 of 18 cuts this year, guys. That's incredible to think of the level of consistency of Tiger Woods. This is a level of consistency that... You know, we never thought we'd ever see again. Even if he could peep Bob, even if he could be out here healthy playing each week, no one would have suggested that he's going to be a guy that every time he pegs it, pegs it up, excuse me, he's going to have a chance to take a run on a Sunday. Yeah, and I think the the speed at which he got back up to speed, if that makes yeah, sense, it makes total to me it was sense. the big part. When you think about where we were last year at the um, uh, President's Cup where he wasn't sure if he was going to play yeah. golf again to the point where he was uh, back swinging, it, it all seemed to advanced very quickly at the end of last year to the Hero World Challenge and then got into the uh, to the start. There were some downsides, though. Let's not forget his performance at the U.S. Open, yeah. which was mm-hmm. atrocious, Debacle. especially on those first couple of holes. <laughs> um, but then to go back to the next two majors, and, and as you said, Mark, where he's had a chance to win them both, um, I think that's to me, it just shows the resiliency that he has in his, in his mind and in his ability to come back and want to get to come back. All right, I, I teased it off the top. Let, let's just go there mm-hmm. because, you know, I've gone there and, I, and you know, I got into it on social media and, and whatnot, yep. like I do, because, you know, social media is like, you know, to me, you know what I think of that. So, your favorite. My favorite thing. Everybody's got an opinion. You know, they're all like, you know what? Everybody's got one, right? Um, where does this stand for you? And I'm not, you know, just for you personally, when you look at this. Uh, with all due respect to Lance Armstrong, which yeah. you know what, and I'm not going to take a shot at Lance Armstrong because I believe the whole sport was tainted at the time mm-hmm. with with chemicals and stuff. The guy fought leukemia. You know what? He lied about it. That's to me. That's the, the biggest scar is 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 the years of lies. But in my mind, the whole sport was lying. Very similar yeah. to Ben Johnson, the only clean guy in the gold medal race. And Ben Johnson was the the poor Englishman. A year ago, he was the fastest man in the world. A year later, he's not on the juice. He could barely make it to the final heat, right? So, you know, this stuff, we could talk about sports like this all day long. For me, uh, when you consider the layers of this comeback, it, is it physical? Certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's multiple, level, multiple levels of physicality. We're talking four back surgeries, three knee surgeries, etc. Is it emotional uh, and mental? Certainly. Look at the... Uh, the divorce, the public uh, humiliation, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera, uh, DUIs, uh, potential substance abuse. I mean, like the layers of this comeback and the length that he's been away, the length since he's been relevant as opposed to a 12-month period mm-hmm. or, or a 16-month period. He was gone. We had him buried, all right? Yeah. Where does this land for you guys? Um, you know, it's so hard to compare some of these things because there's, there are different categories. I mean, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't struck with a disease like, like Mario Lemieux with Mm -hmm. with leukemia. He wasn't in a fatal car, near, not fatal, near fatal car crash like Ben Hogan. Mm -hmm. It's just a great comeback. I don't think I want to classify it as one or two or three or one A or whatever, but it's, it's a remarkable return to form. It's not so much to me, the fact that he came back and played golf is that he came back and played golf at a world-class level at 42. Anybody at 42 could, you know, is, is it a, it's an amazing in, the, in a day and age when, when kids 23, 24, and 25 are winning major championships and multiple majors. 
So that's where I, I don't really care if I classify it anywhere. Right. To me, it's just an amazing return. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm the same. You know, to think that at the Presidents Cup that you know Tiger just wanted to play, he just wanted to have a regular life, just wanted we to play there. with his kids. Yeah. yeah, and he said in that press conference, he almost kind of opened the door for retirement. Oh, in for that sure. Press conference, yeah, right? absolutely. He did. Very much so, absolutely. right, Adam? Yeah, absolutely, he did. And and you know to see. To see how fast he got back to where he is now, and even out of the gates, you know his clubhead speed at, at the Hero World Challenge was off the charts. And then you go into the season, it was into the 180s, and you only saw guys like Brooks Kepka and Rory McIlroy and Dustin kind of Johnson, speed. some of the some of the best guys on tour. And this guy's 42 years old with four back surgeries. It's unbelievable to see how far he's come um, in terms of you know this comeback. And one crucial part of this comeback, which was part of you know his story all season, was the driver. And once he figured that out, it seemed, you know, at the PGA, he had moments, but in the playoffs, his driver was, was one of the best clubs in his bag. Well, it, if you take a look at this, driving accuracy, and it improved later in the season, but 129th overall ranking at 58%. But if you take a look at some of these a- other categories, first in strokes gain approach to the green, 39th in strokes gain putting, uh, seventh in strokes gained tee to green, Fourth in strokes gain total. I mean, this guy in every category is either, you know, in the top elite tier or very good, with the exception of putting the golf ball in the fairway. Mm-hmm. He's even 30, somewhere in the th- low 30s in driving distance uh, in the PGA Tour, considering he's 42, the surgeries, the way these guys bomb it. You know, he's in the top 25% of the PGA Tour in distance still. Um, if he keeps it in the fairway, and we'll obviously we'll get into this a little bit. In our next segment, because we will talk a little bit about where this goes and where we might see him mm-hmm. early in 2019 and where this goes from here and what we feel. Maybe some predictions on Tiger moving forward. But if he puts it in the fairway, keeps it in the fairway, can he be number one in the world again? Let's just start there. We won't do too much because we're going to do it next about Tiger in 2019. But, Bob, if he puts it in the fairway, if he continues this trend off the tee, can he move from 13th to 1st by this time next year? I want to say no, but... I've learned over my career that you never doubt Tiger. So I'd say there's a po- the possibility exists for him to do that. Yeah, I, I'm 100% you know, the, the same way. A, a couple of days ago, uh, or just recently, I should say, um, Paul Azinger was announced as, as NBC's color analyst, and he said when Tiger's at his best, it, it's, it's tough to, you know, it's, it's fun to watch and it's hard for people to beat him. Um, and we haven't seen Tiger at his best yet. That was his quote. And so when we see Tiger at his best, who knows? And uh, you know, it, it gives it gives me goosebumps just thinking about that. To think that we could see the Tiger of old and to be a forty-two, nearly forty-three-year-old man next year, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And you know, just to pick up on on Azinger there, I, I like what he said too. Part of that quote was, "Be careful what you ask for, because you might just get it." Because all these kids, right? <laughs> they wanted saying, it. Yeah, I want Tiger exactly. at his best. Well, you you might find it because here yeah. it comes. Uh, before we wrap up the segment, on the other side, we are going to discuss. Tiger in 2019, what the schedule might look like, what we anticipate from him. Uh, you know, we went out a, a few weeks ago with a Twitter poll question of who do you think is going to win more in 2019, Brooke <laughs> Henderson and Tiger Woods, and, and maybe we'll we'll go back and share those numbers again as well. But uh, recently, in the last few weeks, Johnny Miller announced he's walking away at the Phoenix uh, Open, the Waste Management. We've all known this; we've been anticipating this for several several months now. Uh, he he really worked a, a fairly low key diluted schedule this year. Johnny Miller, uh, general, the man's uh, what in his seventies, Bob. Mm-hmm. I, you know he had a hell of a career. I guess it's time for him to walk away. But any thoughts on Johnny, Johnny Miller and any thoughts on Paul Azinger taking that role? I'm a big Azinger fan, and I think 
you know, if there's somebody who can fill those shoes with unfiltered opinion, it's certainly Paul Azinger. Yeah, I think I think he's Paul Azinger is going to fill in admirably, and I like Johnny. I know a lot of people didn't like him. A lot of the golfers didn't like him because of the critique, but I, I I think it's much more entertaining in a in a world where there's too much fawning and too much praising of of athletes and and speci- specifically golfers. I think it was welcome to see a guy say what he thought. And it was it was great to see, you know, Johnny Miller, all those years, he was honest. Whether it was good or bad, he gave his opinion. And there's some people out there that will give some sort of wishy-washy sort of, well, he was okay. But Johnny Miller would say, no, he choked. You know, and he made an honest opinion. Uh, Paul Azinger, I, I think, is, in my opinion, he is the best color analyst in the game. You know, all those years... Um, with ESPN doing the Open Championships, he was unbelievable. He was great for Fox the past couple of years at the U.S. Open. So it's going to be fun to see Paul Isinger in, in a much more expanded role, not only with Fox at the U.S. Open, both NBC as well. You know, that's why I can't stand about this show. Nobody ever gives an opinion and we're never, never fighting <laughs> over organizations like the USGA, just stroking them constantly. So, which I'm sure we'll get into later on oh, the yes. new rules of golf oh, coming yeah. this year. Really a lot of fawning of the USGA yes. and RNA. All right. On the other side, Tiger Woods. Yes, it was a wonderful 18, but I believe, and I don't know, but I don't believe that I'm the only guy around this table that thinks 2019 is going to be better. We'll talk about it next. This is our year in review special here on GTC. This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Precision crafted performance. Acura, celebrating 30 years in Canada. Visit Acura.ca for the 2018 lineup and dealership incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the TP5 and TP5X Golf Ball. Five layers make it exactly like nothing else. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to switch today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC, our year in review special, part one of three as we close the door on 2018, and we close the door on Tiger Woods in 2018, but I teased as we went to break that I believe 2019 could possibly be a better year for Tiger Woods in 2018. And when I say better, I'm talking in the wins column. I think 2018 will be always be an historic year in Tiger's career when he looks back. I think he'll say, that's one of my most important years of my career, if not the most. If he has another four or five years in him, uh, he might look back at that and say that, you know, considering everything I've been through, that was the year. But in terms of wins and where he finishes the year in terms of official world golf ranking, I believe 2019 will be better. Now, we all sat around the Golf Talk Canada studio a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and we said, if Tiger Woods wins in the playoffs, which he did, how many wins will he have between now and Augusta? And most of us said two. I think, Scully, you might have added one more. You might have Maybe. said three, yeah. and Bob and I were at two wins between now and Augusta, which means Bob and I think he's going to win at least one more time before we get to Augusta. And we're including any event on any tour. You suggested three because I think you're yeah, thinking right. uh, more Hero World Challenge yeah. you're going to give him and things of that nature. Do we still feel like that? Let's revisit that. Do we still feel right now he has one win under his belt, do we still feel that he's going to win one, at least one more time, Bob, between now and Augusta? And Scully, do you give him two? Uh, yeah, I'll give him. I'll give him one between now and then, just because I think there's a few on his lineup there with, that are, you know, where he's had success before. Obviously, Torrey Pines is probably there. Bay Hill is probably there. 
um, players is now before Mm -hmm. the Masters. So there's three there, three good opportunities. It's going to depend a little bit on how much he plays. And to me, the the only kind of question mark will be, does he go and play uh, over in the Middle East? I don't think we will. Do you think? I don't don't think he will, but sometimes the money is pretty attractive, and if he's healthy enough, he may want to do that, but we'll we'll see. That's the only question mark. I'm doubting that, but okay. uh, if he does I, that, I, I another, think that might that might tire him out a little bit. I have bit. a better question for you. Instead of the Middle East, before we get Scully's mm-hmm. confirmation of three wins or not, mm. he is qualified for Hawaii. He is qualified for the Century Tournament of Champions. So instead of going to the yep. Middle East, do you show up in a winners-only field at Kapalua instead? If that was the case... He will go Hero World Challenge in December, which is a non-official event that he hosts. Mm-hmm. Then he would go Century Tournament of Champions in Kapalua. That's debatable. Then I'm f- almost certain we'll see this. Farmers Insurance Open, Tory Pines. Genesis Open at Riviera, which his foundation is attached to. Does he go to Mexico for the WGC Mexico City? Players have skipped that in the past. I don't know. I think he'll play it. But if he plays that, he won't play Honda, which is in his hometown. So he's going to play one of those two. Arnold Palmer is now the week before the players, and the Valspar is the week after the players. Either the Honda, either the Palmer misses out or the Valspar misses out. He ain't going Palmer players Valspar. But what I am suggesting here is, is there are certainly five starts before Augusta. That we can agree on. There are five starts before Augusta. Scully, there's five starts before Augusta. Does he win? If I give you the Hero World Challenge, does he win two of those five? Uh, I'm going to go back to and say he's going to win one. Um, I I do think he's going to contend a little more. I do too. Only because, uh, you know, with the schedule changing, there are more quote-unquote, important, uh, or um, where, the, where the field is, is good uh, or better in those events, I should say, um, now that the schedule has changed. Um, the way he competed at the, at the Players' Championship last year, especially on the weekend, uh, I, I think he'll be a threat there. Um, Torrey Pines, I mean, given the, how thick the rough is, it's all it, it'll be early in the season for Tiger as well, whether he can hit the fairways uh, there. And in terms of Dubai, I, I don't think he'll go... This year, I mean, given what happened a couple of years ago when he hurt his back again, uh, going over du- to Dubai, flying across the world, I, I just don't think that'll happen. So, so you touched on something there that that I've been harping on for a long, for quite some time, mm-hmm. and I think Tiger and his team need to sit down and really take a look at the schedule and really take a look on the courses he felt more comfortable on this time around versus yeah. the old Tiger, because. If I'm building Tiger's schedule, I don't go to Kapalua. It's a bomber's paradise. Look at what DJ did there. I, I saw it with my own eyes last year, mm-hmm. okay? I don't even go to Farmers. I don't go to Torrey because Torrey Pines are rough is brutal, 7,700 yards. It's, it's, you know, the old Tiger, yeah. This Tiger might just be the best iron player in the game right now. Yeah. Arguably the best crafter with the irons, the mover of the golf ball from 200 yards and in, mm-hmm. et cetera. So if that's the Tiger, and that's the Tiger I've been talking about this comeback, how courses that used to be good for him might not be anymore, and I'd find quirkier ball strikers golf course where you need to work the ball, pick a side of the hole, etc. 
I'm not looking at I'm looking at Genesis for Riviera, which he's probably going to play at. That's Hogan's Alley, Ball Strikers Paradise. I'm going to Mexico City, mm. awkward golf course, high altitude, yeah. great irons. Everybody hits it far there. He can play two iron all day, doesn't need driver. Players Championship Sawgrass. Obviously he's going to be uh, playing there, but you know that golf course doesn't fit anybody, mm. right? If it identifies the best ball striker that week. Valspar where he almost won last year, where players, you know, again, can't, you can't outdrive Copperhead. Uh, I'm looking at those venues, Heritage at the RBC, mm. the week after Augusta, which I know is probably something he's not going to play because of the timing. Yeah. But I'm looking at courses like that where driver isn't the most important club in your bag, you know, and go out ball strike here. Bob, do I, am I on to anything? Well, I think I think you're kind of, maybe maybe if you take a bigger picture here and look at the fact that, the schedule changes next year may determine a different schedule for Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. In other words, now with the players in March, and and as you said, you've got like three tournaments in a row there that are all kind of traditionally on his hit list. Something's got to give somewhere along the line. And I think I still think Tiger will be a little more cautious, perhaps, than he was, you know, but in his heyday. I think that less is more. He played a lot of tournaments last year, let's not forget. And at the end of the year, he was wiped out. Mm-hmm. And now you got a stretch of tournaments with uh, maybe basically five big tournaments in five months with players in the four major championships, which we've never had. They used to have May off, right? So there's going to be some give and take in there, and, and something's got to give. Something's, something, somewhere, somewhere that he's traditionally played well at, he's not going to do it. But I think you're right. He's going to choose it based on what's suiting his game at the time. We only have uh, less than a minute left here, Scully. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you agree with uh, with Bob and I combining those theories that we might see a different look from Woods in 2019? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he talked about, as we saw at the Ryder Cup, just how exhausted he looked and how he just didn't train for it because he didn't know how long his season was going to be. But I'm still curious if he's turned the corner with the driver. And and you know because yeah. one week doesn't doesn't for for sure right um, and you know at the Ryder Cup there were some driver issues as well um, but it's it's all in all just going to be a very exciting year for Tiger Wood and, Woods and it's a great time uh, to be a golf fan. Well, we asked our listening audience. We asked them who will win more in 2019: Brooke Henderson or Tiger Woods. Even though we have confidence in both players moving into the new year, Brooke Henderson won that poll at 70. percent wow. We'll talk about Canada's number one player next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the TP5 and TP5X Golf Ball. Five layers make it exactly like nothing else. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to switch today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, Canada's leading distributor of electric walking golf trolleys, including CartTech, MotoCaddy, and Stewart Golf Dream Machines. Visit jpsmgolf.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to our Year in Review special, part one of three Year in Reviews with myself, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully, as we kind of chew the fat on 2018 and surprises, disappointments, highlights, etc. And you can't really talk about a year in golf anymore without talking about this next young lady, Brooke Henderson, who just keeps surprising us time and time again. And for me, she's certainly the Canadian Athlete of the Year. But more importantly, 
from a Canadian perspective, I don't know how you don't make her the story of the year, hands down. What she was able to achieve on Canadian soil by winning her national championship. And like I always like to say, she's Michael Jordan. She wants the rock with, you know, point whatever left on the clock. And to me, that's the difference with Brooke Henderson. It's, yes, she has physical gifts. Yes, she's one of the best players in the world. Yes, she's super young and probably has a tremendous career ahead of her for the next 15 years, more than likely, maybe longer. Who knows? It's up to her, really, on how long she stays interested, Mm -hmm. you know, because Mm -hmm. she can do whatever she wants. And she's, what, a wonderful ambassador for this country and this sport. But, Bob, the fact that she just... Goes, yeah, okay. I, I don't. I'm not going to run from this. I'm not going to, you know, get nervous around those questions like we get at the Canadian Open at Glen Abbey every year, and we, oh, I don't want to talk about the jinx, and I don't want to talk about the ghosts of Fletcher, and yada yada yada. She just grabs it, runs with it, and cross the finish line. Uh, you know, after after the win in in uh, in Saskatchewan, she running around. I did some interviews with her father, with her sister, uh, talked to a couple of her people who knew her, like her club rep and a few other people, and they all commented on the fact that she has this it factor. And, and I asked Brooke straight up, I said, what is, that, what is that it? What is that special ingredient that you have that so many other players, great players, have don't have? And she just says she loves to play. She loves to play the game. She loves to hit the next shot. And she's able to kind of take herself out of the moment and what's all around it and just say, okay, I'm going to hit this shot. And to me, that's perfectly exemplified by the final shot she hit mm-hmm. uh, at, at uh, Wascana onto the 18th green. The, the crowd is ringed around. It was a cool day. Everyone was dressed up in their, in their, in their waterproofs, as they say, over at the British Open. Um, and, and she drills this shot into about four feet on the last hole t- to win by three shots. And to be able to do that under the pressure with the whole world looking in, or all of Canada anyway, looking at it must have seemed like the whole world for her, I'm sure, at the time. Mm-hmm. That, to me, exemplified what she has got, that, that's, that intangible that so many of other players have had at certain times. Like I think Mike Weir had it when he won the Masters. But she seems to have it almost every week. And, and to be able to do it at the, at the precise moment when she needs it, to me, is just speaks volumes about her talent. Well, and, and you mentioned you know hitting shots under pressure. That shot she hit at the KPMG Women's, PGA that major she hits hits it in there tight in the playoff to win shuts the door immediately and even you know the tee shot she hit on eighteen at the CP Women's Open it was over three hundred yards yeah and hit it to where she did um, so she's obviously the fourth uh, Canadians ever win uh, on on uh, home soil you were obviously there at the Masters um, Bob when when Mike Weir won what was the comparison like for you um you know both in terms of a broadcaster and as a fan of sport (laughs) because it must have been unbelievable the the difference was you know they were both huge moments but but when mike won at the masters it was big for us canadians who were there but the for the rest of the world you know it was another guy who won the masters and was an interesting story when you're at on home soil and i saw mike win on home soil in vancouver as well Mm -hmm. and both those were special moments because everybody in the crowd wants this one thing. Everybody's trying to urge you on to the finish line. And the explosion of, uh, of applause, and it was louder, I would say, for Brooke to be a perfectly honest and my memory served me right when Brooke finally got that in and may have something to do with the Regina people who wanted to stay warm on that morning because <laughs> it was a little bit cool. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just uh, it sends tingles down you. And even as a reporter, as a journalist, you sit there and you do get a little caught in the moment. For and there sure. are some things that happened, you know, behind the scenes that were yeah. where you're kind of like I was I was the MC at the closing ceremonies and Brooke started talking about her father and she 
cried and put her arm on her, <laughs> cried on my shoulder. Right. And you're kind of going, well, you realize yeah. that just what a human moment this is for yeah. her and for everybody. Well, I wasn't in uh, Saskatoon with you for Brooks' win this year, but I was in uh, at Augusta in 2003, not in a broadcasting capacity, mm-hmm. in, in a rights holder advertising capacity right. in my former life. And I agree a thousand percent with Bob, even though I'm only going on what he tells me about Saskatoon, but the 2003 Masters, you're right, it was it was huge for the small pool of Canadians that had the the, the, the privilege to be there. It, it, it didn't, you know, ricochet through the grounds the way I'm sure it did in Saskatoon. And to pick up on what Bob said about Mike being able to have it for a week here and a week there, which he did. He rose to the moment at Augusta. He rose to the moment in Vancouver. He rose to the moment in Montreal, one-on-one against Tiger in the yeah. press. He grabbed those moments throughout his career and he was able to do it. The fact that Brooke Henderson has it week in and week out and has it when she knows it's coming, to me, that's the most important thing. This date's on the calendar. People are, it's there. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for it. And the one thing that these athletes, and when we're talking about the special athletes, the ones that reach different levels and do special things, the two things that I always find that they have in common, nobody works harder than they do, and they are able to thrive in pressures that normal athletes collapse in. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, uh, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, you know, like you can go through the sports, and all of them, and that's what separates them. They work the hardest and they, they seize the moment. They want the moment, Adam. They don't run from it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, met, you mentioned Brooke's consistency and just how she wants it week in, week out. Ten top tens at the time of recording. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Two top tens in majors, and that in, that includes a withdraw um, due to a, a death in her family. But twenty-two under par in major championships. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Second on the money list at the time of recording. Seventh in driving distance. She she wants it week in, week out, and. You know, I, I remember uh, one of the weeks I was hosting uh, Golf Talk uh, solo when you guys were on the road. Uh, she was in contention at another another tournament, and if if she goes on to win her, her her eighth career tournament, she could be the best Canadian golfer of all time. And she's still very young. Uh, two wins as we sit here, yeah. uh, as we're still recording. Three in the race to the CME Globe uh, as we sit here. So who knows where that will project? Um, I have her down for three wins next year and potentially another major. Where do you have Brooke in twenty nineteen? I'll go two. I think she's going to win two, uh, two throughout the year. I think the fact that she plays so much is is one of the things that I'm interested to see. She scaled it back a little bit this year. She took off the week before majors, I noticed, which was an interesting part. So I think she's playing with her schedule, and I think if she plays maybe a little less, it might actually end up being more, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite as fatigued, because I think sometimes she does get that. You find uh, you find a couple of rounds. But listen, again, she's only going to be in her fourth full year on the LPGA Tour next year, so she's still That's learning incredible. a lot of courses Think about that. What you're saying. I, I don't even you forget <laughs> that, amazing, don't you? Right? You just yeah. go, Scully. I have her at three. Bob has her at two, uh, and I'm hoping. I'm thinking that one of those is a major. And the reason I'm thinking one of those is a major, and this mm-hmm. is a bit of you know the Canadian romantic attitude we have towards ourselves and our athletes, and the way you know you know I know we, the people listen to us around the country, but you know just being a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, mm-hmm. looking back as 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 a fan as a kid, our favorite Leafs are always. You know, Doug Gilmore, Wendell Clark as a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up, going further back, Lanny McDonald's. We like gritty, in-your-face, Canadiana. And the fact that Brooke Henderson plays better when the courses are hard, plays better when the conditions are cold, plays better when it's windy. 
you just fall in love with that as a Canadian, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. You sure do. And, and that's where, uh, you know, I'm I, uh, recently uh, on our show, I said she would win four times. And I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking with four <laughs> wow. times. Uh, and I, I really like her. I'm really curious to see how she does at the at the Women's British Open. Um, you know, we saw when she won the CP Women's it's, Open. It's every year I pick her to win the Women's yeah. British Open. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sooner or later. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. I think, I think U.S. Open. If she wins a major, it'll be the U.S. Open. Okay, yeah. Where is the ladies' U.S. Open next year? Do we know, guys? We, we probably should. Up. <laughs> no, but I mean, you look at Brooke and, and Bob, you mentioned earlier just the, the weather conditions at on the Sunday at the CP Women's Open, and everyone had their... You know their their uh, their rain jackets on and such, and I, I think that's where you look at a British Open. Not only because they're going to be wearing rain jackets, but she's such a great ball striker, and her putting is her make or break. She was uh, 59th this year in putting average, uh, but on weeks she puts well, she, yeah, she she's contends. Putter, right? she, she's a very streaky putter. So if she can figure that putting out, totally. Uh, but one other stat I actually found on Brooke, uh, she was 101st this year in sand saves. So, yeah, that's the one, always been one of her weakest parts of her game. Yeah, so if she can clean that aspect of her game up. I'll I mean, get her a lesson with Dr. J. He turns every sandwich into a four iron. He yeah. wonders why he can't get out of the bunkers with a forward press. So, Doc, so I, I'm sorry. Uh, U.S. Open next year is at the Country Club of Charleston, yeah. Charleston, okay. South Carolina. And the one thing about the putter was it was amazing how many times she switched putters back yeah. and forth between yeah. two or three putters, just kind of rotated them through. I have no idea what she, that's she like. rides a hot, <laughs> When she gets a hot putter, you know, she'll just stick with that one and use it yeah. for a little while and, yeah, go from there. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, wrap up this segment, because we will hear Bob one-on-one with Brooke coming up in our next segment, uh, U.S. Open, as Bob said, uh, Char- uh, Country Club of Charleston, which I'm unfamiliar with. I don't me, know this golf well. course. Yeah. It's an East Coast course. The men's opens on the West Course and Pebble Beach, which is for me will be my highlight of 2019. Oh, yeah. It's like when the Open visits St. Andrews when the U.S. Open visits Pebble, it, it just means more to yeah. me, and I think to a lot of people. Um, whatever happened, okay, there was, a, I, I'm going to open up a can of worms here, and we don't have much time, but just very quickly, <laughs> what happened to the U.S. Open and the U.S. Ladies Open? You remember the the, the amalgamation at Pinehurst? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, it, it didn't. And, and that, that was going to be, the, and yeah. then the PGA Tour was going to work closely with the LPGA Tour. Do you remember that announcement yeah. about a year ago? Yeah. Where yes. did both of those things evaporate to? That US, USGA holding the two opens at the same spot, I don't think was, when you suddenly realize you got to sell tickets to two events and <laughs> the week after week it's a little tougher. Yeah, you save money on putting up grandstands and things like that, but I don't think they're going to see that one again. No, well, especially, you know, conditions of the golf course too. I mean, a golf course can get quote unquote beat up, you know, yeah. from especially a US Open when, when, when you're, when you're, basically putting the golf course to the, the length it can go in terms of how fast the greens are and the rough and that sort of thing. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see that uh, anytime soon. No, I don't think so either, but I'm just curious as to, you know, it was very quiet, quiet society. After that. <laughs> I wonder we'll get a time to beat up on the USGA later. In the show. <laughs> I won't take that time now. What I will take time to do is to say we will hear from Canada's finest golfer coming up next. One-on-one with Bob Weeks will be Brooke Henderson. This is our Golf Talk Canada Year in Review special. This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, was brought to you by JPSM Golf, Canada's leading distributor of electric walking golf trolleys, including Cart Tech, Moto Caddy, and Stewart Golf Dream Machines. Visit jpsmgolf.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, 
Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit WeatherTech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, year in review special part one. Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully. We just wrapped up Brooks' season, but... She won that Canadian Open, and Bob had a chance covering it for TSN to go one-on-one with Canada's finest player. Brooke, congratulations. I don't know how to put what we just saw into words, but um, to start off with, on Friday after your round and on Saturday after your round, I asked you how hard it was going to be to keep the what-ifs out of the the equation. What was it like this morning and even last night before you teed off? How how did you feel? Um, I was definitely thinking about that um, for sure, but, you know, I knew there was a lot of... a ton of talented players really close to the lead and I knew I would have to play my best today to even have a chance at the win and so you know I just tried to go over my game plan again tried to you know look at the spots where it was good to hit it where holes I can make birdies holes where you know pars are good um, and I feel like my sister and my dad and I we really came up with a great plan and I was able to execute it pretty well today um, especially on the back nine you know five birdies um, and it's just it's just an amazing feeling you know coming up 18 is something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Um, you talked about that back nine the front nine you were you seemed very good in control and you were certainly dominating and then and then Angel starts to all of a sudden start making birdies and you matched her birdie for birdie did you see the lead at any point? Did you react to the lead at any point? Uh, you know, through the front nine, I felt like I was in control. You know, I was hitting a lot of great shots, but I felt like I wanted to get further away from everybody. Um, so, you know, turning, uh, making the turn, you know, I wanted to make a lot more birdies, and I was able to do that 12 through 15, I guess. Um, and like you said, Angel, she was making a lot of birdies, making a lot of putts, so I felt like I had to make them just to keep up with her. Um, and then, you know, eventually was able to pull away a little bit. But, um, you know, I never really felt safe until I hit my approach into 18. And then I finally felt like, man, I've actually done this um, to hear the crowd go crazy. Um, it's just incredible. Uh, I've watched you play a lot of golf over the years, and I've never seen you, I don't think, without kind of a smile on your face. You usually are smiling at the audience. You're waving to the little girls, the little brookalikes, as we call them. <laughs> and, and wherever you are, wherever it's in uh, the United States or the Europe or whatever. Today, there was sort of a game face on there. There really was pretty intense out there. Was that on purpose? Were you dialed in right from start? Uh, you know, I just wanted to give it my all today. Um, you know, I wanted to go out there and give it the best shot possible. Um, and, you know, I was really focused. I wasn't quite as engaged as I normally am, but I felt like it would all be worth it if I was able to hoist the trophy on 18. And I was able to do that. But, you know, I just. I just wanted to make birdies. I want to hit the ball in good spots. I wanted no stress and at least like the least amount of pressure possible. And I felt like I did a really good job of that today. At any point, nerves today? Any point at all? First tee? Um, definitely nerves, but they were very controllable. You know, I felt very confident in what I was trying to do. Um, and all day, you know, I never really felt like things were out of control. I always felt like I was, I was in control, and I knew what was going to happen. You told me earlier in the week that uh, last Sunday was probably one of your best putting rounds of the year. And that putter, of course, I think you live and die with your putter. I think it's fair to say you're a great ball, probably one of the best ball strikers on the LPGA Tour. And when your putter works, you, you, you play well. Is it fair to say that you won this tournament with your putter, do you think? Absolutely. You know, I gained so much confidence uh, coming out of Indy with a nine under round, nine birdies. Um, I, You know, coming into this week, I felt like 
my putter was in a really good spot. I could trust it. Um, and then Thursday, Friday, I made a lot of putts, you know, for birdie and for par. Um, that was, led me to two great scores that got me close to the top of the leaderboard. And then this weekend, you know, I just felt like I could trust it. It's not like I made putts from everywhere, because I didn't, but I made the ones that I needed to make, and I felt, you know, very good over the five, six-footers. Your, your speed was really good, it seemed like. You never really had too many stressful second putts. Yeah, I definitely worked on that earlier this week, um, just trying to make sure that I never had too much work left uh, coming back, you know, if it was a long putt, you know, trying to get it close to the hole. And even, you know, 20 footers, 10 footers, I was just trying to nestle it up close. Uh, and if it went in, it fell over the front edge, then that was good. I talked after you finished today, I talked to your dad, I talked to Elena Sharp, I talked to Gail Graham. They all mentioned one thing that was the same. He said, Brooke has it. Now, they didn't really describe what it is, but you kind of know. What do you think it is about you that allows you to rise to moments like this? Uh, I don't know. It's just sometimes you just kind of get in that zone and you feel like things are possible. And, you know, all my wins, I've kind of been in that place. Um, and I feel... You know, I'm very religious and I, I feel like I gain a lot of strength um, from Almighty God and I feel very close to Him and I also feel like my family has surrounded me so well that I have a lot of confidence because they believe in me so much and you know sometimes when it comes down to it you kind of have to find that inner strength and I feel like for the most part I can do it pretty well. There's some weeks that you wonder where it is but um, like this week coming down 18 and you know the back nine just kind of you know reaching down deep and, and trying to come out um, with the win and I was able to do it. You had a uh, rough summer you lost both your grandfathers, which is tough, and I know they were very close to you. I heard that they're either one or the other or both of them were usually at your house at some point, and I know they were probably two of your biggest fans. Do you think about them at all today? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it has been a tough summer for sure, and I feel like they were definitely helping me out today, um, and I can just picture them, you know, cheering me on. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry I don't need to make you get misty again. <laughs> this is, this is, um, and just, just describe to me what it was like walking up the 18th hole because we know what the Rough Riders get in support here and it seems like they were on the road so I think everybody was putting that support to you. What was it like to walk up there knowing you had this in the bag with all these fans going absolutely crazy, chanting your name? It sounded like a hockey game a little bit out there. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> What's that like? Uh, yeah, the crowds were amazing all week, and especially after I hit that approach in on 18, um, it was like surreal, you know, that amount of people all cheering for me, uh, wanting to see me hoist this trophy right here, um, like a dream come true, honestly, just the chanting and the O Canada right after I won, um, so cool. What's, what do you think this win means, not for Brooke Anderson? But for golf in this country, what do you think it means? Uh, I mean, I think golf in Canada is definitely going to grow, and that's really exciting. And to see all the young kids out here this week, and they seem to enjoy themselves so much, and, you know, that gives me a lot of happiness, too, to see a smile on their face and, you know, just to spend a little bit of time with them. I feel like they really take a lot from it. Um, so, you know, I hope the game continues to grow, and I hope young girls hope they dream to hoist this one day, too. There's a sign at a bank downtown, RBC, one of your sponsors, there's a sign in their, in their window downtown that says, let's make someday today. I think you did that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> Brooke Henderson, congratulations, and I, I can't imagine what you've got coming for us because this is just the start, I think. Awesome, thank you.
What a special athlete and what a great ambassador for the game. We forget how young she is and what a big 2019 and future she has ahead of her. Now, the flip side of that coin is that a lot of players on the PGA Tour strengthen numbers again in 2018 and happening again in 2019. But is it a success? We're still waiting for multiple wins. After a big 16 and 17, 18 was not the year we thought it was. Will we get it in 2019? This is our year in review special. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at golftalkcanada.ca. We'll be right back with more GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC's Aquino Weeks Scully Year in Review Part 1 as we take a look at 2018, the year that was. And, you know, I, I, I keep grinding this over in my head and I'm trying to be fair and I'm trying to keep my expectations uh, in check. But, you know, Adam Hadwin is clearly our greatest male player, especially in terms of an official world golf ranking standpoint. And with the win... In 2017 and the 59 to start the year and what Mac Hughes did and going back to Nick Taylor's win a few years back at Sanderson. And I was really anticipating. I'm not even talking about Adam Hadwin's position on on a President's Cup team as well Mm -hmm. in New York, which was impressive. I was so ready for a big push in 2018. And it never kind of happened. And now here we are again in 2019 where we have all these strength in numbers. We have eight and a half players that have full access to the PGA Tour. I say eight and a half because Mr. Dillette, we don't know uh, where he's going to be yeah, with his with his back. Hope all goes well for Graham. Expect to see him back at some point. Good luck to Graham, but I'm counting him the half. Hmm. At what point do we start looking at it like the weak sister, like where we're just happy with being there? At what point... Does the and I'm trying to and I'm and this is a good news thing. I'm not trying to be a jerk here, Bob. I'm trying to say I expect more of these guys because I believe in them, not because I'm sour on them. Because I believe in them and I believe they're world class players. And just being there isn't enough. When do we get there, Bob? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you in the sense that that uh, I was I kind of hope maybe for a little bit more. I mean, golf's tough. A lot of these guys, you never know kind of what's going on off the golf course. And last year, you had scenarios where. Mackenzie Hughes had just had a baby, just got married. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that go on, and, and I don't know. It's But you're right. You kind of hope for a little bit more, not that struggle to the finish line at the end for everybody, really, except Adam. Now, give them full credit because they got there, mm-hmm. and we've got all these Canadians, and we had that record uh, at the uh, Safeway Open to start the year with eight Canadians in the field, the most we've ever had. So there's a good news story looking ahead if you if you want to put a positive spin on it. But you're right. at the, at the And I think all those guys themselves would say, you know, 
we probably should have done better or we probably could do better. Corey Connors had some good opportunities. Rookie on the tour, so we'll give him a little break. Ben Silverman had some great runs. Uh, again, another rookie on the year. But we've, we've, we just sort of have come to sort of think, I think, get a little higher expectations and higher standards for these guys. And maybe we'll see it in 2019. Scully, recent good finish for, uh, for Adam Hadwin as we turn the, mm-hmm. the, the calendar to the 18-19 season as the tour is over, overseas in Asia. Uh, so already it seems like he feels a little reju- uh, rejuvenated, yeah. maybe they're rested and well. I know Adam worked so hard and just was not seeing the results he wanted almost until we got to the playoffs. He had a decent start, uh, decent finish there at the Northern Trust. I had mm-hmm. a chance to follow him for a couple of rounds there. Uh, are you in the same boat as Bob and I? Again, trying to keep things in check, trying to keep things realistic. At, at some point, we got to turn some wins. Yeah, we got to turn some wins for sure. And, you know, there are moments of optimism, moments of brilliance. I mean, you look at Adam Hadwin. Had, at one point, had a share of the lead in the first round of the Masters. He's mm-hmm. playing with Patrick Reed those first uh, two days. Uh, uh, Mark, you mentioned, um, you know, that good finish at the CJ Cup just recently, a T10. And that was uh, 64 on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I noticed something with Hadwin. He had 10 rounds of 67 or better on the weekend uh, in 2018. So it was almost the same story with Tiger for most of the year in terms of getting off to a slower start and not playing yourself out of the tournament. Uh, and one other thing I, I really noticed with, with Hadwin, um, his putter was, was his make or break. Um, he, was, he was 62nd in strokes game putting 2018, 15th. In yeah. 2017, so, he, so so that putter was really streaky. He spent a lot of time working on that putter, almost to the point where at the PGA Championship, you know, we were talking, and you could almost see that he was he'd kind of just zoned out of it. He was doing going the drill, doing the drills, and the harder he got, he worked on them, the uh, the, the worse it seemed he was getting. And he was burned out by the end of last year, which yeah. is a little unusual because you know he he finally had a schedule where he could pick it. He didn't have to kind of. The year before, he kind of made that big step progress and got into a bunch of events he didn't think he was going to get into. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think, was was a scenario where um, maybe just physically and mentally he just got a little bit worn out, and, and I, I know he was frustrated by the putter. He spent a lot of time in the off-season, whatever off-season you have. I guess, <laughs> one week off! Trying to, trying to dial that in, and I think he's going to make some improvements there. Uh, but that top 10 at the CJ Cup in, in Korea was the first top 10 since since March. Yeah, that's so right. So a long time in between. Mexi- oh, Mexico Championship. Yeah, exactly. So a lot, of time, a lot of time in between those ones. But uh, I think he wants to play a lot better. I think he's demanding a lot more of himself. And that's what I like about Adam is that, that you know. He's not satisfied with it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's play a little game. Let's do it. Let's play a little game. Let's play fill in the blanks. We'll start with you, Scully, and then we'll go perfect. to Bob. Adam Hadwin will have a successful 2019 if he accomplishes blank. Well, uh, you know, I, I say, if, you know, he continues. I'd say if he, A, gets into all four of the majors, that's going to be key for him, especially with the Masters. So that's a successful year. Adam Hadwin has a successful 2019 well, uh, if he plays all four majors. Just fill in the blank. Yeah, I, I'd say, um, obviously, another win would be great. But a, a big thing uh, is the motivation for the President's Cup. Um, that's in December this year, so it's a little later. We saw how... How uh, how motivated he was. I need your fill in the blank. I know, I know. <laughs> I I'm, dancing. I'm dancing. I'm dancing. I'm dancing Is it around. All four majors. Is it a win? Is it a qualifying for the Presidents Cup? If you had to pick one of those things, well, to I, fill in I, the blank. What's a successful year? Because some of them mean something else, right? If he qualifies yeah. for the Presidents Cup, odds are one of two things happened: he won, or he did play most of the majors to get those points yeah. to be on that team. So you can look at this different ways. But I'm talking if you're Adam Hadwin right now, and you're not, and you're not in his head. But if you're thinking, yeah. if you think you're Adam Hadwin, and you're trying to get in his head, and Adam's sitting there at home right now with his family, man, I just want to do this 
in 2019? Well, what you is- know, a, a win is the obvious uh, answer, right. but I, I think you, you go back to, you know, uh, consistency and just and let's see if you can not miss a cut this year. See, I'm, you know? I'm past the consistency yeah. part. I, I want, for me, I will have a successful 2019 if I add my second career win. For that's sure. it. End the sure. story because he's that good. And that's a compliment to Adam, by the way, because yeah. I believe in him and I believe he's that good. Bob? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it has to be a win. I think if you asked him, that's what he would say. Right. I think at the end of the year, if he doesn't have a win, he'll look at, at, at some other stats. But I think right now, basically at the start of the new season, his goal is to win and, and maybe more than once. Okay, Bob, back around the horn. <laughs> Same question. Mackenzie Hughes. I'm Mac Hughes. After the year he had, sophomore jinx, call it, whatever you want to call it, Mackenzie Hughes has a successful 2019 if he achieves blank. Uh, if he is a consistent player making 80% of his cuts. I like that. I'd Very say specific. For, for Mackenzie, if he sticks with the swing that got him there, that he did sort of partway through the year, Everything's going to take care of itself. I like that too. I, I really. It's a plan. It's a path. And another thing with with Mac Hughes with his putting as well. We, we mentioned his swing changes throughout the year. 149th in strokes game putting in 2018. Mm-hmm. He was 11th in 2017. So the putting just sort of was a huge drop off for him. I think we'll all agree on this statement. A successful 2019 for Graham Dillette is if he plays golf. Period. Would you agree? Just that I would being healthy. Yeah. I'm not expecting him to tee it up at all this year, and I think it would might. I mean, he'll know if it's if it's right. He knows exactly what's going on. But yeah, yeah if he gets back out there in any kind of game form, it'd be great. Mm-hmm. So we've got eight and a half guys out there. Uh, I know Bob, you like uh, Corey Connors to, to maybe be the first Canadian to win. I like Adam Svensson to be the first Canadian to win. I know we've also floated around Adam Hadwin is the obvious one. Uh, Scully, who, who we haven't had this conversation. Who do you think the yeah. first Canadian is? You to? know, I I like Nick Taylor. I yeah, mean, why not? You right? know, you look at what he did the 63 on Sunday at the Wyndham Championship. The Stones to do that with with your with your tour card on the line. That's mm-hmm. pretty darn impressive. And he's he's won before. He's done yep. it before. Done it before so, so why, why not? not again? Yeah. Uh, Mike Weir starting going to play Web.com tour. Yeah. Mike is going to turn 49. Turn 49 year. in May. Right. Yeah. So we are trudging towards the 50th birthday. <laughs> That's right. Champions that, tour, baby. Yeah, hoping that he can stay healthy. Get starts, keep in game shape, so to speak, and I'm assuming that's the plan. Listen, you just have to look at his Instagram account just to see how hard he's working. He's, yeah. I mean, nobody's ever outworked Mike Weir, that's for sure. So if he doesn't make it, if he doesn't have a great year, it's not because of lack of effort. You know, he's still trying to search for something, to, some consistency off that tee, mm-hmm. and it would be really nice to see him play some decent golf. Yeah. On the other side, lots of changes in the world of the FedEx Cup schedule. And point structure at the Tour Championship. Lots to dive into. We'll talk about it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Don't wait to play one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Pay $500 towards your 2019 membership and play the rest of 2018 for free. Visit cedarbraygolfclub.com today. 
Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to GTC, our year in review special part one. Uh, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully, yours truly. PJ Tour is going to look a lot different in 2019. A big change, moving the FedEx Cup around, getting those playoff events done. August 23rd, 24th, third week of August, we're going to hand out the FedEx Cup. And get out of the way of the NFL football start, which I completely understand. Players' championship moves to March. PGA championship moves to May, making the Open championship the last major in July until you get to next year in April. That is a big gap it's a long between time. majors, boys. That is a long time, especially if you choke one down the stretch of the Open. <laughs> yeah, huh. That is a long time to sit on one. Before we get into the changes of the FedEx Cup and how we're down from four events to three with a new uh, point structure and a new system on uh, uh, the final event of the Tour Championship, before we get there, schedule. Let's look at the schedule changes. You know, I'm one of those people that... Always enjoyed the Players' Championship in May. And I I know, you know, most Canadian golf fans I talk to that's, you know, watch 99.9% of their golf from their living room were all fans of of the Players' Championship back in March. They liked it a couple weeks ahead of the the Masters. They liked it as a tune-up for the season kind of thing to get golf back in focus. But for me, I liked it. it. Kind of filled that May gap where we yeah. you know, didn't officially have a major, but it's there. I also like the weather, Bob. When you and I were standing <laughs> down there, instead of freezing our butts off, uh, good move, bad move here, or did they just not have a choice? Well, I think all of the above, maybe. I think the I think it's a good move overall because I think it does fill the gap, uh, or it does spread the you know the season out a little more sequentially. I think the the biggest thing will be to see how the course holds up in March. Uh, we know what, what it was like before, but the course has been totally redone since since we've had it there in March. So so it might be a little bit better down now at Sawgrass. Um, it's it's a overall. I like the season. I like the way it's structured. I like that there's a little bit more of a genuine off season now, even if it's only whatever five weeks now instead of one week <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but I think I think you get a good rhythm with this schedule. I think you really start now in March and you kind of get yourself through, and it's going to keep things. Um, in the in the spotlight during the point where there really is no competition other than let's say Major League Baseball. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you know, what it's like in May. Uh, sorry, in in yeah in March, March I should yes, say. Sir. My apologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and more so, you know, to see if it's going to be a swamp or not, given what uh, what the weather is going to be, and some of the golf course changes that we saw two years ago, especially that 12th hole, that drivable hole. You know, if it's if it's going to be much. If it's going to be more wetter out there, you know, what, how is that hole going to play sort of thing? And we saw Webb Simpson sort of run away with the tournament this year. Are we going to see that sort of same uh, situation? It, it is going to be different as uh, both someone who covers golf and as a golf fan to have, you know, the Masters is your big marquee event that, that sort of kicks off spring. But now the Players' Championships before it. So I'm curious how... How that's all going to turn out to to the average uh, sports fan out there. Other well, obviously Canadian Open has a new date, and that's we could big. do a whole show on a Canadian Open having new date as a lead into the U.S. Open. Uh, I think it's going to help us. I don't think it's going to hurt us. I don't think it's going to change the universe on us. I think it'll help more on years where the U.S. Opens on the Eastern Seaboard, unlike 100%. next year we're on the West Coast. But other than the Canadian Open now being a lead to the U.S. Open, what's your favorite? part of the new schedule and what's your biggest concern I'll, I'll let you know my biggest concern before you know before you guys chime in here my biggest concern and it's not even a concern it, it's a change the the PGA championship now going to May if you look at the future sites New York 
San Francisco, South Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, California, New Jersey, Oklahoma, Maryland. It's certainly going to have to change the way that May date on where they go. Goodbye to Hazleton. You're not going to Minnesota second, third week in May. (laughs) Too much risk. You're not going to Whistling Straits anymore unless it's for a, a Ryder Cup. You're not going to risk northern Wisconsin second, third week of May. Goodbye to um, to Rochester and Oak Hill. Uh, certain golf courses now are out of the loop for the PGA Championship. And I think, you know, they're going to have to start looking at other places, Bob. They, we, I, they might see a PGA Championship in the desert. Who knows, right? <laughs> I don't right, know. Odds are probably not not likely, but... You know, maybe we go back to Seminole after all these years and and you find new golf courses or old courses back in loop because you can only trust New Jersey, Pennsylvania. That's kind of the limit, guys. It was five degrees that weekend in Toronto this year when they were playing the PGA Championship. I, I think for every course you lose, you probably gain a couple down in the south where you haven't been, where you go into markets, major championships haven't been played in places like Florida and things like that. So I think there's... There's a trade-off there, but you're right. These are some great old historical traditional spots where we've come to appreciate the golf course and the layout. But I think you will, as you said, the Seminoles and maybe a few other spots that you can, you can get to. Um, the same kind of thing is going to happen, though, now for the Canadian Open mm-hmm. with that June date. I mean, I know it's not really going to move outside of the southwestern Ontario area as long as RBC is sponsoring it. But down the road, you know, are you going to risk going to Calgary in the first week of June or the second week of June? You know, there's some some scary thoughts there as well. So um, for every every change that you make here, I think there's a plus and a minus to the schedule. And and I think overall it's going to be an interesting to see how the players fit these tournaments in uh, on their time. I've already heard from a couple of good players who were considering the RBC Canadian Open for the first time that maybe not have, have not had it in the past. And we know that there are some players who like to play the week before a, a major championship, others who will give it a skip. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see who plays where and which courses get get the the, the big fields because as we said earlier when we were talking, uh, you know, with Tiger Woods, you've got you've got basically Bay Hill players, Valspar back to back to back. You've got Honda Bay Hill players. You know who's mm-hmm. going to play that stretch? What's going to happen? Other than, other than the Canadian Open, part of this schedule is the big win for you, the FedEx Cup being handed out in August away from the NFL, does that affect your mind at all? I mean, it, I never think about it in terms of the NFL. I think about it in terms of let's have a bit of a break in the season because mm-hmm. you just you have to have some kind of a break there. And I know it's not a long break, but at least there's a definitive pause <laughs> where mm-hmm. we're not going to play golf for a few weeks. Well, and if, if you look at the, uh, the schedule this past summer, it was crazy. You have British Open, Canadian Open, WGC, PGA Championship, Wyndham, FedEx Cup playoffs, Ryder Cup, by the end of that, the guys just looked absolutely spent. And, you know, it, it, it'd be nice to have just a break so the guys can rejuvenate and recharge their batteries. And, and you know, f- for the sports viewer out there, it's a not, you know, because sometimes if, if you watch too much, you can you might you might get maybe a little, a little sick of seeing the same guys week in, week out. I'm curious to see schedule-wise, um, you know, early in the year, as Bob, you mentioned, there, there's, you know, there's, Couple different stretches where there's three or four marquee events back to back to back, right. and how guys are going to manage that. And you part can't of avoid schedule. that, right? Though yeah. eventually we're going to do it, and and that's always a concern. Yeah. It's a concern to the tour- tournament directors, etc. What mm. what's the big win in this schedule for you, Scully? Do you like the break, the the, the FedEx Cup early? Is it something? Is it something else? Is it the fact that I, you know, taking a look at this, there are going to be several weeks off at the end, which you know I think is greatly needed. 
yeah, greatly needed for sure. The FedEx Cup is the big win uh, for me. And simplifying it to a degree, I'm sure we'll get into how the Tour Championship is is going. But, you know, instead of having four events, you you have three total. um, And I I think that's going to really pay big dividends for sure. Now, speaking of that, you just hinted it. You've touched on it. New point system, new structure. When the 30 get to East Lake, it will get to uh, a relation to par advantage as opposed to a point advantage where the leader will start at 10 under and second place will start at this and they'll yep. whittle their way down to the 30th spot where that 30th guy is starting you know, a good chunk of ways in terms of relation to par. He's going to have to make up a ton of strokes if he's going to win the Tour Championship. When I first saw this system, I kind of liked it. I kind of went, well, you know, they're on to something here and... Uh, it's going to be simple for the golf fan to understand. They don't have to do the math. I don't know. You know, Steve Sands doesn't need to stand in front of the screen for nine days anymore explaining who can win and, yeah. and all the ramifications. And then the Tour Championship happened, and I watched it. <laughs> and Tiger and Rose, down the stretch, flip-flop, this birdie could decide everything, this parka. And I went, nothing wrong with this system. It's great. I don't care if two guys win different trophies. Mm. I like the tournament within the tournament. I love the Tour Championship this year. It was some of the best TV we had, especially in a non-major all year. So now I'm completely flip-flopping and saying, leave it alone. Um, You know what? I I didn't like it this year. I just thought when I was watching it, there was every time a guy came up, like Dustin Johnson, he has a putt now to take over the lead in the (laughs) FedEx Cup. Meanwhile, Tiger's over here, and then Brooks, you know, it just went on and on. So... I like the fact that there's only going to be one system to decide everything. I'm kind of still at this point where it seems to me like it's a net event. And it will count it's, as an official win. That's the one thing that a couple of players that I talk to have a real problem with is that sort of, you know, how do you give a guy a 10-shot lead and say, yeah, you get, you get two-year exemption and, mm-hmm. and after this and all the benefits that come with winning a tournament. So that, to me, I'm not a little sorted out, but I think if you look at it from a fan standpoint, I think it makes sense, and I think that's what the PGA Tour's first and foremost uh, reason for doing it this way is. Well, and it's not only, not only winning a tournament, it's winning the Tour Championship. It's it's their one of their marquee big, big events. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at it, if we had uh, last or this this upcoming year system last year, Tiger Woods wouldn't have won that tournament. It would have been a Justin Rose win by one shot. Now, I still thought it was... It was still kind of strange seeing Justin Rose fist pump when he lagged a putt from 20 feet to about an inch. Uh, That that was a little strange, and he was like apologizing to the cameras almost afterwards, saying, "Oh, sorry." But he knows what's going on. He knows. It shows you that the players know where they are. Absolutely shows you. But you know, as you said, um, you know, it's going to simplify it. We're gonna. It's going to be one winner. On Sunday, they're gonna they're gonna be a bunched up or a bunch of guys uh, together within a couple shots, and it's gonna make for great TV nonetheless. Well, we'll see. And when we did our Twitter poll, the majority of our Twitter poll audience suggested they don't really know how to feel about this. They want to take a year, see it, see it unfold, see it for the first yeah. time, and then come up with their thoughts on how they feel about it. So they're taking a wait-and-see approach, and I think the whole like, world of golf's kind of doing Like that. every iteration that's ever had of yes, the FedEx Cup. Right? Yes, <laughs> yes. Maybe some adjustments necessary. Well, speaking of adjustments necessary, the new rules of golf come into play January 1st. And we will walk through some of them coming up. And this is my favorite part of our year in review special. Oh, yes. The crap on the governing body. I'm feeling a rant coming. <laughs> yes. And, and by all means, you know, I, I have dear friends in our governing body who do great work and great jobs. But the RNA and the USGA with let's go to the public and hear what you got to say, which they've done like two or three times over the last 24 months and never seem to be listening, is a complete farce and a disaster as far as I'm concerned. And we'll jump into it next. 
This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Don't wait to play one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Pay $500 towards your 2019 membership and play the rest of 2018 for free. Visit cedarbraygolfclub.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and new Tour 360. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, year in review, part one. Sakino Weeks, Scully, as we break down the year that was 2018. And take a look at 2019. And the USGA and RNA have come up with a new rule book. For 2019. And there are some wins in here, but there are also some absolute ridiculous nonsense things that I think if they just had to pay attention to what they've been claiming for 24 months, we're going to you, the golf public, and getting your information. Uh, we want to hear from you. Like now they're doing the same thing about does the golf ball go too far or is distance ruining the game? And apparently they're pulling all these results. Well, I don't know about you guys. But everybody I play with, they don't come off the golf course and go, wow, man, I'm hitting it too far. It was way too easy. Okay, I don't hear that. I don't hear that, okay? And here we are with the new rules. Now, I'll give them a few wins here. The height of the drop, okay? You no longer have to do the arm length drop. The problem was when this first came out, it was going to be you could be anywhere two inches off the ground. Then they changed it to knee height. So they've already moved on this. But I still think that's okay. Um Moving to club length and not inches for measurement or relief makes sense. Not being penalized for an accidental moving ball on the green makes wanna, a lot of sense. Do you sense. want to know what the best change? Yeah, you give me your best change. The best change that's coming in here is nobody is going to be allowed to stand behind you and line you up for a tee shot. Hello, <laughs> LPGA Tour. Love that, Bob. That to me is yeah. like just like disastrous. I just cannot understand how that was allowed to get in there, and they changed, they altered it once already. But that to me is a big one. Now it's not necessarily for the for players yeah. like sitting around this table here right now, but but for the LPGA tour, just the way it looks, I think, and I think that's a bravo. And the other one that I like, which is great, is the double hit is no yes. longer yeah. TC Chen's been talking. exactly. It only counts one now. Now we had a great story years ago. A guy at my golf course who's no longer with us. He was sitting in long grass. Next to the out of bounds marker. So listen to what happened here. He takes a swing, it pops up, he hits it twice, it hits him, and it goes out of bounds. <laughs> oh my lord! What is it now? Line twelve. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. my god! So, can you imagine that one? <laughs> oh my lord! Okay. I don't know if we ever actually got the final count of what that oh. was. Some rules expert listing could probably tell us what it was. Yes. But at least now, under the new rules, it'll be one less than it was, oh whatever it was. And now That's here's fantastic. the ones that I have a problem with. Okay, here's the ones that I have a problem with, and the ones where I think like they're completely offside, and and they keep ignoring them for some reason. I don't know why. Can someone please explain to me the new out-of-bounds rule? Because when this program originally started, and they were truly listening to the golfing public, what we were getting out of conversations at the RNA and the USGA was potential bifurcation. And even if there wasn't bifurcation, there was the, the, the conceived conversation that 
OB and yellow were being put to bed, Mm -hmm. that courses were going to be marked red from front to back. And the reason for this was simplification, that when you go to a public golf course, when you go to a member's course and you're not playing in a tournament or whatnot, quite often the majority of the golfing public, especially, you know, anybody who isn't a single digit, which is like 99.9% of the world, they hit the ball, they can't find it, they go to the point of entry, they drop it. They don't hit three off the tee, right. even though they should. They don't walk all the they way back. They don't walk yeah. back. They should. And then all this, and then after you know months and months of apparently talking to people, apparently gathering information, we come up with this convoluted rule. Like, can you please explain to me what is going on without a bounce? Like, I can hit three off the tee still, but what's this other option, and what happens? Uh, you got me because I know I've been trying to sort through. Yeah, it as I can't well. figure it so, out. So, so you, you can take your closest point in the fairway. Is that is that and play and as play, your fourth and shot? Play, and four. play four. That's right. So it's an additional stroke, and I walk to the closest point in the fairway from point of entry. So, so you it, know what's going to happen with that is nobody's going to pay attention. It's going to be just like we all do when we course. go out there. We hit one down. We're going to drop it down, and yeah. maybe if you're, you might add one one to your score. Like it, that's really it's more convoluted. They've yeah. gone against themselves in the simplification. Like, Here's. Here's one of the other ones that doesn't that confuses me drastically. You can now take a ball out of a sound tr- sand trap yeah. with two penalty shots. Two penalties. Two two strokes if you'd want to drop take it out of a penal out of a bunker. Now, to me that sounds like okay, so someone gets in there. Sometimes you have guys who get in there and they hit like five shots. So yeah. maybe they know they're not a good bunker player. Angry Mike, Dr. But you know J. where it might you know where it really might come into play, which would be interesting is Open? Yeah, go to the Open Championship. You get up against the lip. Some guy sits there and says, okay, I can't get this out in one, so my second shot is going to be from the bunker. So why not now lift it out, put it back, potentially on a fairway, I guess, and hit and take my two strokes and go from there. Makes no sense. That's interesting. That's, that's, very, no that's very strange. This flagstick thing um, is garbage, too. Putting with the flagstick in because they think it's going to speed up play? Are you giving me a break? Try marking the golf course as red would speed up play. Try <laughs> handing out a penalty on the PGA Tour if yeah, you want to speed luck. up play. I got, a, I got an idea. You had these green books that affects only you know .001% of the population. You were going to limit the use of them. Instead, you limited the size and magnification when you had a chance to get rid of that. That would speed up play. Like There's so many ways to speed up play, and you think a flagstick? Yeah, like that's always delayed the group in front of you, right? They play with the flag stick too much. Always, I mean, like the only way this can benefit is if someone's playing alone and they want to leave it in there. But I mean, if you're playing alone anyway, you're going to leave the flag stick in. And uh, singles are really uh, stalling the golf exactly. course. Right? It's all those singles <laughs> exactly. playing in under three hours exactly. that are killing the game. Right? I, I, I like to I like to have a positive spin on on uh, on everything. I should say, but um, how about the, the the search limit down from five to three minutes? I, I think that's I good. Mean, I think everything a little little bit helps, and I can understand in certain situations where the flag stick. Might not removing it might help some guy could putt while the other guy's dropping his bag over at the next tee or something yeah. and walking back over or something like that. There are certain little things, but you know, as a as an overall consistent manner, I'm not sure they'll make much Absolute, of a difference. Question for you guys: yeah. Will you re- will you remove the stick still when you putt, or will you ask always, for it in? Always, I'll always have the stick. Well, I'll always take it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll always have it. And if I'm playing with somebody who leaves it in, I'm going to crown them with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to crown. Them I wouldn't with leave it. it in on purpose. Right? Yeah. 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 I'm boys, too lazy to walk up and pull it. Yeah. Out. Hear this. Hear this. <laughs> All the boys that I play with, if you're listening right now. If you leave the flag stick in, it's not a one-stroke penalty or anything like that. It's penalty to lob wedge to shin is yes. the penalty in my group. It's, it's a lob wedge to shin you know, or over, never playing overall, with you again. Overall, yeah. though, I think the effort that they made to do this is not such a bad thing. I yep. think they're trying to make the rules, A, a little bit more understandable, a little bit more um, you know, normal, normalized, so things that you would normally do anyway if you were playing. 
So I give them some credit for that. It hasn't gone 100%. Well, maybe we'll see a couple more changes go along. But listen, for a bunch of old guys sitting around That's a table wrong. somewhere. There you go, and, Bob. And, uh, doing it that way, I think it's uh, it's at least a good step. Bob, you hit the nail on the head, though. <laughs> if Golf Talk Canada is making all the decisions for the entire game as, as supreme dictators, this thing works a lot better. Oh, you, simple. I think a lot of the people making these decisions are just out of touch. They're just out of tune with the whole thing. Now, I do love the repair of the spike marks. Sure. Finally. Yes. How about ball moving on the green? Yeah, great one. These are things that the, the community at large has been screaming for for ages. Why do you think they didn't look at or acknowledge or change? And maybe they did, and they just didn't mention it or decide to change it. <laughs> what about divot in the fairway? Why do you think that wasn't addressed? Yeah, that's a good. They actually did address that. They said why they didn't move it is because oh. the definition of a divot, what constituted a divot, they just couldn't come to an answer. They couldn't right. decide whether it had to be. Like, is something that was healing for a week still a divot, or was something not a divot? There was a real tough way of how you actually define what is a divot. Right. I can understand if something has been sand-filled, like they have at majors, you know, right. where they've... That, mm-hmm. to me, is pretty obvious. I don't know why they wouldn't have done that. Right. But that was the one thing that they came up with. See, I'm with Bob on this, Adam. I'm like, if it's sand-filled, you know, if that is the use of the definition, and... A lot in our sport is down to the integrity of the player mm-hmm. and, and his playing uh, partner. And I'm not, I don't want to talk about video and some Yahoo eating cheesies on his sofa at home because I don't want him calling in mm-hmm. on a divot violation. But if you believe you're in a Sandfield divot and you go to your playing partner, uh, I'm taking relief from this divot, can, you know, and your playing partner's fine with it, it's a divot. For sure. You got relief. It's it could have been that yeah. simple. Yeah. It could have been that simple. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I, I've, I'm always someone when I play, I, I play out of divots and that sort of thing. Uh, one other thing uh, um, in terms of penalties uh, or changes, I should say, uh, how about moving impediments in uh, in hazards or bunkers? Yeah, I, mean, you I, I think do, that's decent. You could do that already, in, you know, in, in the UK, like yeah, Scotland, yeah. And, places, and and some local rules uh, depending right. on you know right. on, on tour where they play. I in, think I in think the that's old big. course, in the courses of St Andrews, in the old courses, which is, and I don't know if this applies to the Castle course, which mm-hmm. is the newer of the four. Uh, it's the new one that was built just a few years ago up top looking down over the the village of St. Andrews. But the old course, the new course, and the Jubilee, which are, you know, you know thousands of years old. <laughs> Love, you know, but they're all joking aside, they're hundreds of years old, right? The original golf courses. Um, the local rule there is you can take relief from uh, sprinkler heads and markers in your path around the green. Uh, so if you because they play mm. they play it on they want to play it on the ground. So if you want to play it on the ground and you got a sprinkler head, you can take relief from the line of sprinkler head. Well, you that, that's the only place in the world that you can do that, right? right. Like yeah. if you're over here and you've got a sprinkler head in front of you and uh, and you want to putt it or chip it, well, too bad, so sad. You got to go over it, right? That's just the way it works. So so these things do, do come into effect. So uh, you know what I will say this: hats off to them for trying. Hats off to them for addressing. I just wish Good start. Yeah, I just wish that when they truly say they're going to pull and talk to people, like real people that drive this game. Yeah. The majority of the golfing population, not that top 1%. I think they would have heard a lot of different things out of them if they had to listen to those people. Yeah, they would have heard a lot of different things, but you know, as as we've said here, you know, it's it, it is a decent start. It's good to start somewhere and I'm sure when the the next rules of golf come out, hopefully they'll listen to this very conversation mm. and take all of our <laughs> advice and, and move forward. Uh, appropriately, but there are still some some decent uh, good steps here. All right, on the other side, we will take a look at uh, the winter schedule of Golf Talk Canada. Get you caught up to date on Golf Talk Canada television, Golf Talk Canada radio, and of course. 
The Festivus Special, the Feats of Strength, the airing of the grievances. That is our live show in December. Everything GTC coming up next as we wrap up Year in Review, Part 1. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Adidas Golf and new Tour 360. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as we wrap up part one of our three-part series, Year in Review, here on Golf Talk Canada. Still so much to get to in our Year in Review, part two and three. Don't forget Golf Talk Canada Radio. Uh, we really never go away. Uh, we're constantly talking golf even when we're not broadcasting. It just happens to be that people have a microphone in front of us right now. This, this is basically the breakfast conversation. Yes. Uh, we don't go anywhere. We're with you 50 to 52 weeks a year, but uh, depending really on that World Junior Hockey schedule, which we don't have yet. But we do Good know. Good point. Yes. We do know. That's why I always say 50 to 52 weeks. So, But we do know this, that we will be live December 15th. Festivus. Feats of Strength. Airing of Grievances. It is our annual Festivus special in front of a live studio audience. Full security. The tickets have been sold out for ages, Bob. I've got I've got people trying to climb the pole already. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say I'm going into the under the stairs tonight when I get home to get the pole out, get a little shine, and yep. make yep. sure that it's uh, glistening for our uh, celebration. And, I, and I've I've been working out extra hard uh, to be the bouncer. Uh, That's right. Bouncer <laughs> slash producer. Not only producer. are you you know airing grievances and feats of strength, but as you're producing, hosting, yep. uh, you're also bouncing. Well, Scott. and it's it's great to see you know the all the stadium seating that's been put into the studio. A thousand, Thank you to thousand Jeff seats. McDonald. Yeah, Thank you, Jeff McDonald. In yeah. Increase yeah. the budget for GTC Radio this year. <laughs> Build us some stadium seating. The Jumbotron's magnificent. I want to thank him. Michael Buffer will yeah. be in studio <laughs> to, ladies to, to, and to bring us in and out, which is awesome. So thank you for that. Uh, Jeff McDonald opening up the purse strings for our festivist special. It's huge here on the channel. We basically take huge. over the channel. It is huge. Now, don't forget as well, uh, one hour year in review, GTC yes. TV coming up uh, Christmas week. I believe we debut Boxing Day, but look for it somewhere between Boxing Day and New Year's Day for multiple repeats of our year in review and, special. And, and how good is that? You know, get the Golf Talk Canada year in review special and the World Junior Hockey Championship. Maybe back to back. Maybe back. To on back. TSN. Uh, how good hey, uh, We should do a one-hour, 60-minute USGA rant special. There you go. <laughs> and and, and that, that'll air right after. Yeah, that'd be great. And then, of course, we are back live season nine. Jeez, where's the time go? <laughs> Golf Talk Canada Radio, February 2nd, season nine, our debut in 2019. And Golf Talk Canada Television season five debuts the week of the Players' Championship with our P, uh, Players' Championship preview special. will be our opening GTC Perfect. TV 2019. So not going anywhere. If you think you could shut me up. Never. You didn't. <laughs> you didn't. Bob's got the power of the pen, too. Look out. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right? Look out. 
All right, guys, we're going to get into a lot of different things in our upcoming specials. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, disappointments of the years, uh, favorite majors mm-hmm. of the years, recap the majors, have some predictions in, in our episode three of our year in review specials, which I love. Yeah. Uh, Scully had some real bold ones last year, and he nailed a, a great one. Maybe the best prediction I've seen maybe ever, Ooh. which was great with Tiger at the Hero. You know, at Hero was mm-hmm. so good. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. Uh, but recently, Brooks Kepka was number one player in the world. Ah, yes. We only have a few minutes yes. left. You know I've I've been negative on the official world golf ranking system that I almost think the FedEx Cup system is almost a more accurate uh, sure. depiction of who the best player is. Unfortunately, it just doesn't give you enough of what's happening in Europe. So I get that. Brooks Kepka is number one in the world. We've seen a revolving door. He's won three of his last six majors. This time next year, when we sit at this table to do this show, will Brooks Kepka be number one in the world, Bob? No. No. Okay. I think I think maybe it's not that, not to uh, cut you off there. I think how many people will be will hold that world number one position? I yeah. think that that could be four an, this year. Right? Four this year. Are we going to see four next year? I don't know. Okay. Who will be the number one player in the world this time next year if Brooks Kepka isn't? You guys both Woo! said no. Give me one name right now. I'm going to say that I'm 50-50 if Kepka will still be number one. So, But if I give 51% that he won't be, I'm going to say Justin Thomas is the number one player in the world singing this time because if I look at the ebb and flow of the PGA Tour, the guys with the highs, the guys with the lows over the last three seasons, I would make the argument that Justin Thomas is the guy that's peaks and valleys have not been more uh, as dramatic. Maybe him and Justin Rose, although he has more ability to win, I think, than Justin Rose does. So the guys, the peaks and the valleys are not as far apart. I'll say Justin Thomas. I'm going to say, I'm going to half agree with you that it's going to be Justin, but I'm going to say Justin Rose. Uh, because be of the one. same way I outline just, it? Just uh, because I think that he has been, exactly. He's, he's, if you look at his body work, say the last 16 months, he's been the guy who's been the most consistent at getting into the top Two, three, four, five positions. So you like Justin Rose for the same reason I like Justin yeah, Thomas. Exactly. Your mind's working is, the same his thing. His putting has improved so dramatically. Yes. I think that's the key. Skulls. I've always been known to make some very bold predictions did, on this I know what's coming on, here. On as soon show. as I asked this question, uh, you know, I know what was coming. I'm, I'm a pretty bold guy in that sense. Uh, I do think a 43-year-old man will be at number two in the world. <laughs> that is Tiger Woods. Ah, number two in the world. And for part. some reason, I got a good feeling about Jason Day this year. I think he's going to be too. a bounce back for Jason Day, and he's going to be your world number one this time well, next year. I, I expect a bounce back again for Jason Day. Not that he had a bad year. He played great. He won. Twice, He yeah. won twice. He had a great year, but I expected more. I expected a, a second major for Jason I still think he's going to have a great 2019. I don't think he'll be number one in the world, but I do think he's going to have a great 2019. But when I asked that question, Bob, I thought we were getting a Tiger Woods prediction. Ah, Yes, you know, I'm known for bold predictions, but maybe, you know, yeah. Next week, we will dive into the majors, the Masters, the Open, the PGA, the U.S. Open, break down the major season talk, Brooks Kepka, and our year in review special part two. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, the first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you so much for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at GolfTalkCanada.ca.